Hello and welcome to the MadeCast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the MADE's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Miles. I'm Chin. I'm Anthony. And I'm Red. This week, Alex will be chatting with his wife, Veronica, about the LucasArts adventure game, Maniac Mansion, developed by Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, released in 1987, uh, as well as their ongoing love of adventure games. Uh, But before we get into that, it is a big day. It is the day after the Game Awards have been announced, and the winners and the tallies are in. Uh, everybody, uh, it's some big news, but as you can, the big winner of the night was definitely Last of Us 2. The Last of Us Part 2 won, I think, a total of four big awards out of like the big names. Uh, let me see. It was Game of the Year, Best Game Direction, Best Narrative, Best Audio Design, Best Performance for Laura Bailey, Innovation and Accessibility. Yeah. Best Action Adventure. It really swept. Yeah. Yeah. It which honestly, this is this is getting into like personal feelings about this game news, but we'll save that for later. Uh we will talk more about this. We'll leave the discussion part for after. This is news time. Because we need to talk about my personal happy winner for best indie game, which is Hades from Supergiant. And oh man, does it deserve it. It is absolutely a fantastic playable experience. The replay value for a game that is as like Limited in the way they uh, is limited as playable because you just play through the levels and go back and start over again and keep doing it with different abilities. They they keep you coming back with the story and everything else. They do an amazing, amazing job with that. And hats off to them. Hats off to them for making such a developed storyline and world and making it interact. Do you guys have any big like choice moment winners of the night for you? Well, for me, I'm glad Final Fantasy VII Remake got the award on the best music because they really did a good job not just writing about good music of the game. I mean, when you talk about what music is a good music for a game, it's not about just whether the songs or the music are good or not. It's about how they merge into the game, the game experience itself, how they interact with each other. I mean, Final Fantasy VII has really done a really great job on on like there's one boss fight in the game they have literally more than 10 variations of of the music and it's amazing on both technical side and musical side and to be honest I agree with that. yeah i personally think they have done an even better job on on the on the sound design system too because i have a talk before talking about how they manage on the trigger of some some mm-hmm. other sound effect they just always call the audio side of square enix they call it magic that's how good they're doing it and yeah, I can totally yeah. understand and agree with that. And I also agree. Like I was, they did such a good job with the music and just the, the whole orchestration of it all. They really make you, it moves you emotionally throughout the game and they do an incredible job. Uh, and the way it blends in, like you said earlier, like from a heightened situation to back to the main, like walk around music of the area that you're in. It's, it's an incredible job. They did a great job. Uh, and also like for, uh, best audio design, uh, Doom Eternal was 
nominated for that. I think it was also interesting that they deliberately, uh, one of the things that was interesting about that personally is that they deliberately didn't want to use any guitars. So it was like they used power tools and like chainsaws and other things to really make, like actually develop it into the soundtrack and yeah, I remember hearing about be involved that. with that. <laughs> I can totally understand that feeling. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to get rid of something that you used to use a lot and try something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I do have to say, I I do appreciate it. The best ongoing game, uh, No Man's Sky, won that. And I do have to say they have, for the amount that they've put into the game to expand it and make it make it what it is now versus upon release it's it's a whole new experience it's really fantastic it's a nice and chill just exploration game where you can go and do and go and do a bunch of things and yeah check out other people's planets it, they've done such an amazing job developing the world adding new variety and just everything to the game they've mm-hmm. really stepped it up and kept on they've not stopped caring for the game and wanting to make it even more into like the ultimate vision which is really something to be said and i hope more like as we will get in after we start as we get in after we start talking with after the news segment we will dive into a little bit more news because it's so much news today there's some other things that we can talk about as far as the new releases like cyberpunk and no Man's Sky, where comparisons on how well they're working on release and how much they put into it going further. But as far as that, there's just the Game Awards, man. There's so much more news. It all happened at once. It all happened at once. I think there's one. Uh, I think we can also start talking a little bit new about it. I think we, yeah, I think we can bring it up right now. Cyberpunk 2077 has also been released. Ooh, baby, has it been released? Oh man, uh, if you haven't heard. As of the time we are recording this, the day after the Game Awards, this is such a fun thing to see. All the glitches uh, that have been apparently purported upon release, and all the all the interesting little bugs. Being someone who already being spoiled the whole game, there's one thing I can say: this is very cyberpunk. That's all I can say without any spoiler. Uh, very yes, uh, it is very cyberpunk. Uh, glitches included. Yeah, uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, to a point that you, you don't know whether it's it's intended glitches or it's just cyberpunk. <laughs> you know? Very true. You That's know, a that very thing. good point. Uh, it's just immersion, guys. It's uh, it's all that is. It's it, the immersion level is just beyond what you even comprehended. Uh, you are. It, you are a cyberpunk. That's what you're going to see in a cyberpunk world. Your body got to glitch and there will be bugs in your life. Right. Very true. Very true. Yeah. All, all Like all these robot characters, you're going to have a glitch in some instance. I, I do have <laughs> to say there, I've seen a lot of really, really cool advancements in character design. And I'm not talking about the one that you're thinking about. Not on this show. Um, <laughs> but the one that I'm talking about is just like the facial detail you can actually, like, as a bigger guy, you can actually be a fat man. Uh, you can actually make yourself look like me. Uh, <laughs> you can be what, it, like, you can, there's just so much. Look gorgeous, is that what you mean? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, but you can look fantastic, but the, just the development in how well everything looks, like, cha- the in the level of changeability, you don't just have, like, base character models. You can... 
really make them look however you want to look. And mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll see how they interact with the world the farther you take the character model <laughs> randomizer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure could be a a fun little video. I would I would like to see like a Monster Factory episode on it where it's like yes, you know that that whole thing of just like trying to make the most disgusting creature possible out of you know the sliders in a video game i'm certain they'll do that am i the only one who are not trying to make something disgusting instead of just making something looks like good no because like i i often i i will do a fun file and then i will also do a like i do fun files and then i do my main character like how i want them to look <laughs> and how i want to do it that there's there's like my main morality driven, this is me and the choices that I would make. And then there's, let's see what can happen. <laughs> yeah, first playthrough, you do it serious, or at least I do. And yes. uh, play it like a real person and have an actual human being as the character. And then, you know, the monster is third or fourth playthrough and sort of see what you can, how you can mess up the game. Yes, I do have to say. I think it is about time that we uh, save some more Game Awards news and the other news announcements until after we hear about what it was like growing up with the Ness and playing Maniac Mansion and Alex and his wife Veronica talking about their great continued love of adventure games and here it goes well hello and uh, welcome this will be our final episode of the year happy holidays to everybody out there listening to this over the Christmas time period and thanks to our interns for Uh, mixing this podcast over their Christmas break from school at SF State University. Uh, Today, because we're all locked down, I figured I'd use my lockdown partner, my beloved and wonderful, beautiful and intelligent wife, Veronica, who is a teen librarian in the Oakland system. I wanted to have her on today to talk about adventure games. Uh, Welcome, beautiful. Hi, thanks for having me, Alex. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming into my office down the hall here and coming on the extremely fancy and formal podcast. We've been doing venture games on this podcast, and I mentioned in the last podcast how the Sierra games tended to be games where you would sort of walk around and click on things until you didn't die and just kept going forward and, you know, find out what didn't kill you. But the LucasArts games were sort of more varied and interesting and had much many more options. And I know you grew up playing Maniac Mansion. I was wondering what drew you to that game? Why did you like that game? Well, I've always liked adventure games. It's probably because it's a story. It's a story unfolding in front of my face. Um, I'm a big reader. As you just said, I'm a librarian. I've always liked books. I've always liked stories. And that's really, to me, what those video games are. Is they're books in video game format. They're, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Um, but in a video game format for me. And I was I remember I was really into Choose Your Own Adventure books at that time when Maniac Mansion came out. And you played it on the Nintendo, right? Yes. And I mean, that was a sort of the, the strange place to play it because you had to move with the little controller and move a little cursor on the screen, like almost like it was a, a PC game or something. Yeah, well, I really hadn't had very much experience with PC games. I mean, at that point, I think I'd played... Wheel of Fortune on PC. So <laughs> really, um, we weren't really a big computer household. I had a Nintendo. Uh, Quentin, my brother, had a Genesis, a Sega. And I mean, any any game kind of you, pick, you picked up, you felt like you were learning the controls. So I guess it felt awkward at first. But, you know, once I learned what I was doing, it felt pretty normal. Uh, you, I know that you did beat the game. You said you could beat it. What, Bernard is your trick to beating it? 
Bernard was always my trick to beating it. I always there. That was uh, one of the things like I got stuck that I would actually love to sit down and go through with maybe some walkthroughs today with some other characters. Like there were some things I could figure out. Like there's one character, Michael, who was a photographer and you found film and you found stamps, but I couldn't get the stamps to work on the envelope. Like I found all the items, but for some reason I couldn't get them to work to mail that off. So I could never get his ending, but I could always figure it out, you know, go figure. You needed the nerd, the nerd to, uh, to beat the game. But uh, what is it the nerd does that he can work with like the nuclear reactor in the basement or something? He can work, well, he can work with the nuclear reactor and he could fix all the electrical items. Okay. So he could fix the old time radio. He could fix, he fixes a lot of things. I mean, there's the, the interactions that we're even discussing here are so different from a normal video game that most people would think of in their heads, right? Like lining up three things or shooting bad guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Talking about like repairing things in a house in order to meet your goals. Yeah. But it was it was really funny. I think there was a lot of things that was uh, attractive to kids. I mean, I played it with my brother, who was five years younger than me, and his friends. Um, they used to like to watch me play it because it was like a cartoon. And, and there was so many things that just would appeal to a kid's humor. Like you could take the hamster and you kept on trying to put the hamster in the microwave, of course, because, you know, we're sick little kids and you can't, there's no way. Then they, they, each person has a different thing to say. And of course you find it hilarious. At one point you find like a rotting turkey and you try to make your characters eat the rotting turkey. And of course they won't. And you know, it's not that funny now, but for some reason, and that's hilarious when you're a little kid. And that was, that was sort of a, a feature of Colossal Cave Adventure and Zork. It was sort of snarky when you tried to do something it didn't want you to do because there were so many things you couldn't do. Yeah. And, oh, and you could also kill characters in the game. Yes, that's right. And, and <laughs> uh, when, when I found out that you could, um, actually drown yours so there's there is at one point you have to drain a pool and you get one of the characters to go in the pool you if i accidentally filled the pool up with the character in there i didn't realize oh i could kill this character and then i <laughs> then suddenly the character had a tombstone and uh the leader goes out and he reads the tombstone and he's just like and good riddance and i was like huh well what happens if i kill the second person so then i killed the second person and he goes out and he reads their tombstone and he says and another one bites the dust and that's a unique thing about this game i don't know if our readers are like readers our listeners know that you chose three characters at the beginning of the game as opposed to playing a single character all the way through yes you had three characters you always had to have the boyfriend i i don't can't even remember his name probably michael or something generic like that and it was, uh, yeah, just different characters. They each had different musical themes, too. They each had different musical themes and probably something not thought of then, but they, they, they did it, but we're very aware of now as they had different races, which was actually, oh, absolutely, yeah, very oh. forward thinking. A racially diverse cast. And uh, the characters are all sort of modern 80s-ish takes on the 50s stereotypes. Like you got the punk girl, you got the nerd boy, you got the football star. yeah. Yeah, yes, definitely. The football star, um, he's the main character. Yeah, there's like uh, the photographer, Razor, she's the, the, the rock girl. She Bernard. has the best music. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> there was Bernard, there was a surfer guy. Oh yeah, the surfer guy, yeah. I yeah. never, gosh, he was so, he was so useless, but <laughs> I feel like he probably had some, I don't know. He also was a musician though, so he probably... Had a storyline with a tentacle that could have happened. Yeah, tentacle liked music, right? Yeah, tentacle was trying to start a band. Oh, that's right. Um, okay, okay. 
yeah, and there was there was another female character. I can't remember what she did now. Oh yeah, there was another lady. I, yeah, I don't remember her. <laughs> we can look all this up. I mean, there's a lot of information on the history of Maniac Mansion. I'm just trying to capture what it was like to actually play it in the day. You said the kids in the neighborhood would come over. We all pile together and. Watch. Uh, well, yeah, it was just my brother and his two, like the next door neighbor and then the neighbor behind us, um, and we kind of just lived in the country and all had a shared. I mean, we each had our own backyard, but there were no fences, so we all just kind of roamed. So what? I mean, <laughs> free range children. Were you the only ones with a Nintendo, or did you share cartridges? Or? No, no, no. They we all had a Nintendo. Lucky kids. Yeah. <laughs> and but we all. But that was kind of fun in a way because we all shared games. Yeah, and there wasn't really a rivalry, uh, at least not with me, since I was older. It was more like they brought me games that they couldn't finish. Not that I was that great, but I was better than them. Well, you were you were old enough to figure them out, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But some of them was just like, no, we can't. This is awful. No, we can't. But the Game Genie was a game changer. <laughs> Which game did you say you beat with a Game Genie? Oh, uh, Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there were a few others you mentioned that you had beaten with a Game Genie. I can't remember. But that was... uh, Roger Rabbit. Roger Yeah. <laughs> All the unbeatable ones. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you continue to play adventure games, and we, we actually have been playing the, the, uh, Life is Strange, which definitely big thumbs up, right? Yes, definitely. Big thumbs up. But uh, it, uh, you played the Sanitarium mm -hmm. and uh, Longest Journey, the, sort of the, the what I was speaking about as sort of the, the end period for adventure games, where they kind of died off for a little while after that. And uh, was it the story that appealed to you in both of those games? I think it's the story, and it's also... It's also the puzzles. Not that I disliked shoot 'em up games, but the the really, at least at that age, the only quote unquote shooter I got interested in was the Resident Evil series. Which again, I mean, maybe it's not like a choose your own adventure. There's not different endings, but you're still choosing things, and there's a lot of puzzles. There, there are and like two or three different endings for some of them. Yeah, yeah, there based are. Based on time, it's not. Yeah, much yeah, Resident Evil Three, there is. Uh, the adventure games. The choosing of what happens in Sanitarium was sort of different than the choosing of what happens in like a, a, a Life is Strange or one of these sort of modern real story. Yeah, change it's, kind it's of more it's more puzzle focused. You have to figure out the puzzles to get out of the room. And I just I don't know, I guess I enjoy that aspect of the game as well. Those uh, puzzles get to be really difficult sometimes, though. I remember the day of the tentacle, like getting stuck on a puzzle and just getting just giving up basically <laughs> yeah i got stuck on that that one too but i feel like i played it later on in life if i, I played it with a, as a kid like anytime i got stuck on something i would just leave and usually come back and see it with fresh eyes like any problem and sometimes you see it's like you have to be really patient with those games you have to <laughs> search every nook and cranny and suddenly you find some drawer you didn't find or something before and that's the key to the puzzle i think that's been an interesting thing in life is strange is that they allow you to sort of search and look at all the little story bits if you want but they're not it's not like you have to find that one little hidden thing yeah life is strange definitely does that i think one thing i like about life is strange too is if you read everything there's there's side stories that you don't even have anything to do with like at one point somebody's talking about a laptop that was stolen from them that has pictures of their dead beloved cat that they really want. And when you go into town, you find somebody who's selling a laptop, 
but you have to buy it. You have to take it with the pictures of this cat because they can't get rid of the pictures of the cat. And <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I could get this laptop back, but you, you can't. It's just something the writers threw in there that I thought was kind of a genius little little side story, just a little bit for those of us that are searching every nook and cranny. Yeah, it really enables you to do that searching, that every nook and cranny thing. Uh, I know that's one of the things you enjoy about Fallout, which is... Is that still, is that your favorite Fallout 3? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the Fallout and the Dragon Age. I love that you can, at least for a while, forget there's a main story. <laughs> like, I get so... Like, like, it was like the first time I played Fallout 3. I really like to just kind of ignore the main story. I kind of found Megaton, and then I was like, okay, these guys are kind of jerks. I didn't blow it up. I just um, kind of ran around grinding around megaton for a while and then when i got tough enough i just kind of explored and i just ended up finding rivet city on my own didn't do any of the the things to find rivet city and i was like oh yeah that's right i'm supposed to be finding my dad these people are telling me about my dad you, you can just get lost in this whole other world mm -hmm. yeah that's uh really what the maniac mansion actually is sort of a a mansion a little world right like it's a place to go almost yes yeah, the uh, each each room is its own. Yeah, there's their own little puzzles. I mean, you have to run away from the mother. You have, uh, and then there's the son. Can you befriend the son? Um, you get to, uh, you know, play pranks. It's just a really really amazing game. It really is playing a, a cartoon. It is, and it's way ahead of its time. I mean, some of the elements we're talking about here, like that, that it being a place or something. I mean, that's. Not really something I would say necessarily of all of the adventure games in that era. Some of the, the King's Quest and Police Quests and so forth. The the Lucasfilm games really have that sense of humor and that sense of like when you're on Monkey Island, you're you're on Monkey Island. Or when you're in that mansion, you're in that maniac mansion. It's a, a fully fleshed out sort of a, a vision that was uh, enabled in, in such a primitive systems. It's so far different. It's so far afield from all the other NES games. There's a few like Shadowgate and so forth that are similarly exploration-based, I guess, uh, and puzzle-based. But uh, I'm wondering what sort of games you wish were based on Maniac Mansion. I mean, do you, do you, would you play as something after, like uh, something today with those kinds of mechanics? Or is Life is Strange sort of hitting all the buttons for you? Um, I don't think I'd want to go back to the mechanics of Maniac Mansion. I mean, I think I like more the mechanics of um, Life is Strange or Fallout or something like that. Um, I think, I mean, ideally, I mean, if we're saying anything I wanted, then it would just be like a totally immersed uh, world that I could just go into. There are different quests and that there's always new AI, there's no always new quests, there's always new lands being updated, that it's just a forever going on game. Mm. Kind of like, um, what's that, 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 I guess in a weird way, like Second Life, but, but making it an, an adventure game, mm. but not quite like your avatar, I mean, whatever. So, and not, not just running around shooting things, but like just exploring. Yeah, explore. I mean, shooting things can be part of it, like mm. Fallout or... You know, there's there's good things and there's bad things and there's good guys and there's bad guys or or maybe you're the bad guy shooting the good guys. I mean, it's your choice, right? I know you like being the bad guy a lot, like when you sold the children into slavery in Fallout 3. Sometimes. 
just got fed up and I um I was actually playing the game really, really good and I was just got I couldn't get past them, so I thought maybe I had to do that. And then my character went from the ultimate good to the ultimate evil with that move. <laughs> it, was a, it was an impressive moment. Uh, but I mean, the reason I ask this is because the thing that I've been pointing out about these adventure games is that they can be very obtuse. And like we said with the Day of the Tentacle, it's like what it it's it sometimes can be not what makes sense. It can be what does the developer think I should do right now? Mm-hmm. What arbitrary thing do I have to pick up and do right now? Yeah. Yeah, and for me, sometimes it's like, like going back to Fallout, it's like, I almost want to see if I can break the game and <laughs> think of like, one of the things I did with Vegas was, uh, I, I in my way, I kind of say I broke the game is I, I couldn't give myself an ending because I um, started killing everyone. And there was nobody that wanted to side with me. And the game just didn't know what to do with that. The game was like, I could forever go into the game as that character and kill people forever. But it was, um, yeah, you, you... it was just an interesting, I was just like, I was like, oh, I wonder what the developers are going to do for someone like me who decides to kill everyone. And it's like the developers had no, <laughs> they didn't think someone like, me was going to play the game and they, they didn't even have an ending for that like it was like what they figured that you would uh you know uh make friends with at least one of the factions not kill all the factions yeah no i killed them all yeah because <laughs> i wanted to see what would happen and and yeah they didn't anticipate that so i don't know and then for some reason that's a little feather in my cap i don't know why <laughs> But that's exploring the play space. And uh, just like, you know, killing the kids in Maniac Mansion, they actually thought about that, right? Like, yeah. the, like the developers, Ron Gilbert and those guys actually thought, you know, hey, not only uh, will we allow that to happen, but, you know, we'll have them say something, which back then was actually kind of, you know, putting a, it was it was papering a wall or, you know, uh, putting up that piece of the set for people to go see, you know, even just having a bit of text was enough to show that you paid attention to that and thought about that in those days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's what made me kill the second kid because I wanted to see what he would say. Yeah, exactly. Right, another one bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Maniac Mansion series uh, isn't necessarily as obtuse as sort of the Sierra games, but do you remember any of the puzzles? Maybe solving them when you were first playing through and being like, "Geez, that's weird." In the Maniac Mansion, or, or in any of the adventure games, really. I'm just trying to cite some more examples for the listeners. <laughs> it's all right. The, well, the Maniac Mansion. The- a really involved one was like trying to find the phone number to call the mother. You had to break open an arcade game to get the quarter, to put the quarter into the telescope. But before you did that, you had to make sure you snuck into her room and pushed over the body in the shower <laughs> and then look through the telescope. Cause then you could read the phone number and call the phone, then call the phone number to call her and distract her so you can go and do something else. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. See, that's just, just it's very arbitrary, sort yeah. of making, it's like setting these variables. Like, you go upstairs, move the body. Okay, is the body moved or not? Now you can see the thing. But do you have the quarter? I never found the quarter. I remember looking for the quarter as a kid, and I never found it. I wanted to play the arcade game. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's Bernard, right? Uh, no, you could break it. You had to get... I think you had to have, you just had to have some item you could smash. At some point, you, you could find a hammer or something, and you could smash, use that. You just like smash any, the argument. Yeah, any, any character can smash the bottom and take the quarter. Oh, that would be awful. Or <laughs> you can, um, you could also get the quarter. That's right, because the hammer comes by the piggy bank. You could also steal the coins from um, their son. Oh, yeah, the the military yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> 
God, do you remember all of this? <laughs> I know you could go racing right through it. Just easy as pie again today, do you think? Maybe. I don't know. I'd probably have to think about some things. I'd probably want to sit down and see if I could do it without Bernard, since mm. I've never seen any of those endings. But, I mean, I mean, it's pretty much the same ending. It's just different things can happen during the story. Like, sure. in the end, it's either the meltdown happens or it doesn't. <laughs> um, no matter who who the characters are, um, but it's the care it's what they're doing inside of the game, the side stories that can be different. And that so the side stories actually affect the whole in the end. I mean, they all sort of pay off if because in the end you've created a story from yeah. beginning to end, and those pieces are a part of it, and it's your special story. Yeah, yeah. At the end, you're gonna have to have somebody be on your your side. I mean, whether it's their son you befriended or the tentacle you befriended or or somebody. <laughs> Excellent. Well, th thanks for taking the time. Beautiful. I am going to end it right here and happy holidays to everybody. And thanks for listening and take care. We'll see you in the new year. We're going to continue on this Lucasfilm thing. I'm going to get some Lucasfilm people on here. So there was, there was a method to our madness today. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And that thank you, Alex and Veronica, for that lovely conversation about Maniac Mansion and all the weird little quirks it has. That is the one I haven't gotten back to. I've played uh, Day of the Tentacle, which is the sequel to Maniac Mansion, but I have not Ooh. gotten to Maniac Mansion yet. Maniac so. Mansion, uh, the one thing that I remember, at least when I've seen people play it, and I have not played it myself, but when I've seen people play it, the Pepsi uh, product placement mm -hmm. always gets me. <laughs> uh, like I, uh, It's a pretty, it's early product placement in games, and they got it right and tastefully. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it 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 encompasses the like '80s character tropes uh, pretty well. Yeah. So anyway. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Back to the game awards. Still going on about that. St yes. There's still so much to talk about game awards wise. We can talk about it for a whole night and not stopping. Yeah. What are some of the big things that you guys were wanted to bring up in specific? about these game awards deep in my heart the game of the year just for this specific year it's animal crossing just because mm. it get in in the right time right places right circumstances with it was it just it is just this game for this specific year mm -hmm. it, very true uh, i think timing for a game like that and the popularity of it and also, one of the things that was like interesting, uh, the, the amount of Nintendo Switches that were purchased at the beginning of the pandemic uh, went up for people in lockdown. So they bought a Switch. And so Animal Crossing releasing on Switch was pretty perfect. Uh, they did an amazing job. Absolutely. I mean, it won um, Best Family Game at the Game Awards. And I think that's sort of like Animal Crossing is one of those games where your grandma could play it. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of it's that it's not I'm not saying like, oh, it's a it's a boring game for boring people. I'm saying no. that like it's it's extremely accessible. Like everybody is just willing to have that experience. Like it's not can... stressful at all. It's not yeah. like you don't have to don't go say to... it's not stressful. You can play it <laughs> in a non-stressful way. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to when you're trying to trade and get on like high prices on the market man it, oh yeah like, if you're you not can, a it can be as harder, stressful as I mean, you want i've seen someone who just keep trying to adjust the time so that they can run over the time zone in order to get all the season <laughs> mm -hmm. thing in just uh, one month and what's the point of this game i mean right uh, mm -hmm. but but after all this game is a very good game that 
you don't have to save the world, which is quite a good turn back when we just keep saving the world in the other games. It's a good, mm-hmm. good place to take a rest. I mean, it is on your nice little private island yeah. where we all wish we could be, <laughs> and to meet each other. Yes, at least virtually. Yeah, it's it's basically your your own little furmibo. <laughs> Creating your little little fursona for all you furries out there, it's, of course. It's we are chat, but not we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we're done talking about um, Animal Crossing. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, what's interesting about some of the winners from the Game Awards is that uh, we have sort of remakes making or winning a lot of the awards. So, for example, um, you know, we have Final Fantasy VII winning mm-hmm. Best RPG. That's a remake. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 won Best Sports Racing Game. Oh, yeah. That category. Yeah. Which is also what? really interesting. That is a very interesting thing. I really hope video games, I mean, uh, the remasters are fun to play. It's a totally different experience than basically remaking a movie, which is kind of cool. But I hope they don't fall into that and just keep remastering older games. It depends. I mean, if it's a remake, it's good. Look at Final Fantasy VII. If it's remastered, then it depends how much changes they have done to the game. Very true. There is a difference between a remake and a remaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but still, it, they're games that have I think already won I don't know if how, how many awards they won on release or the acclaim sure. that they got or if the game awards existed on initial I'm release. not really sure game awards <laughs> like not not the sort of the the industry of game awards, yeah. the in, the institution. I'm not sure games were given awards back then. Like in the in the nineties and early two thousands, really, I'm Very sure they true. were, but I just don't recall. Yeah, not not to the level that not to the level of an event no. uh, that's broadcasted upon multiple services that it is now. What do you think about that, Anthony? Like, how do you feel about the the remaster winning like a best game of the year? I hope it doesn't, you know, become a trend. Like, oh, you know, we have to remake all these great games so that. Um, you know, just as a safe bet for a great game. Um, I hope there's still, you know, more innovations and more creative ideas coming out. But I hope it doesn't become more of like a staple, like, okay, every year there has to be some sort of remake coming out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think now is, I mean, it is it is a sequel, Last of Us 2, but I do also, like, am worried about that type of game uh, kind of dominating the winning because like, yes, it's a great game and like there's functionality of it, but it's, it's so much of just the story. If you know what I'm saying, like there's little parts of the game. Like there's uh, like instant reactions, like you're playing the guitar or like to enhance uh, an emotional moment or something like that. It's good. It's cool. But is this the best out of all the stuff we have this year? That is just like how much of it is a game like like what puzzles like just new fun things to try I, it's a great like story and narrative experience but game <laughs> but game we gotta stay there we will laugh it too <laughs> yeah uh won't get too much more of that just a personal opinion yeah i think one more little piece of big news that we do have is uh Two words, uh, three words, actually. Uh, Sephiroth, Super Smash Bros. 
That's more yeah. than that's more than three words. I know, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping nobody would. I was hoping it would. I had my fingers notice. up. I was counting. I yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, sorry, Sephiroth chopped one of my fingers off. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that my counting has been off ever since. Um, he better be overpowered. That's all I can say. He uh, he better destroy on release. They can release a patch have a patch ready as backup but release him broken please let, let us have some great videos let us have the great fun so we can see it <laughs> i'm actually looking forward to his interaction with cloud what i what mm. i feel like is they gotta have special interact interaction with each other like when they're using that out there'll be a special yeah. cutscene or something like that uh, that would be that would be pretty cool yeah. that would be pretty pretty cool like you know their their relationship has been to point that if i see my opponent picks cloud i would want to pick Sephiroth or or the oh, other yeah. side that's that's how how it feels yeah but no invitation he just uh jumped right in yeah uh, <laughs> go ahead and rain down the the godly meteor that's how good uh, he that is. is yeah <laughs> Of course, that's going to be his special. How can that not be a special? He just turns into the one-winged angel and then drops it. So, uh, sorry, spoilers if you don't know the story of Final Fantasy VII. Come on, it's, um, it's trendy. It's trendy, <laughs> trendy. Uh, uh, sorry, Who doesn't know uh, about only, it? Yeah, it's, only, it's only 20 years. Um, sorry. You didn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking man. of... Like how they do in, uh, it's it, it won an award. I'm so stupid. Um, Mortal Kombat. I'm thinking of in Mortal mm. Kombat where whenever you know a game starts, the two characters have an interaction. Yeah. Oh, like you know, uh, <laughs> like it's all the it's all the new stuff, like the wacky stuff, where it's like they always you know, toast um, each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the the characters talk to each other and sort of like butt heads and say, "Hey, we're gonna fight now," and then they fight. Um. I think that would be really cool to do in Smash. It's also not possible because it's not a strictly two-player game. It's not strictly a heads-up. It's like a it's a party game. Like it's designed to be a party game. But they can do it um, after the fight. That would be good. Yeah. I I would just love to see interactions, but like actual non like animated interactions between the characters. Like in Engine, this is what they're doing. Like. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun to see because I would love to see Sephiroth interact with Ganondorf. Or it's like Sephiroth you know, just saying, "Surprise, it's me!" And Cloud uh-huh. just say, "Hey, yeah. you yeah. again?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just huh. you just keep following me. <laughs> we talked a little bit about this last week with Hades, but just the sort of the the trash talk interaction yeah, 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 between yeah, yeah, characters yeah. is always super fun. Oh yeah. man! So I think it's a. Unfortunately, about that time, y'all. It's This is our last episode of the year. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening, and thank you for your continued support. Uh, you Again, you can support us on Patreon. You can do us uh, anywhere that you want to support us. Shout us out. Give us some recommendations. Tell your friends about us. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Thank you for supporting, and we will see you in the next year. Thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, shoot us an email at info at Yeah, again, thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep us going. Patreon donors get this one week in advance on major streaming services. 
future episodes will be released every week. Uh, but we'll be back to you in January. We're taking a few weeks off. It's the holiday season. We're going to relax. Yeah. Take it a little off. Um, everybody's been working hard. There's finals a-flowing. Catch There's up everything on new else. games to play. Yes, all this time so we can talk to you more in the new year about more video games. So that's what we're going to do. We hope you guys have a great holiday. All of our listeners have to. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Till then, I'm Red. I'm Miles. I'm Chin. And I'm Anthony. See ya. Adios, everybody. Merry Christmas. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs>